0: Good evening. Good evening. Uh, For those of you who haven't met yet, my name's Steph. I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome, a special welcome to those of you viewing online. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Um, As we continue with Then Sings My Soul, this is the sermon series that we're doing over the summer where we explore hymns that we traditionally sing here and hymns that have stuck with us throughout the years. And like, why have they stuck with us? What kind of truths are buried in them that we can uncover. And as we begin, if you would please join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today, for every person in this room, for everyone joining us online. Lord, I give you thanks and praise for everything that you're doing in our lives. I pray that this message would reach, who needs to be reached tonight, that my words would be your words and that all else would fall away. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight we are going to explore the hymn, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. And I know if you're like me, the first thing that popped into my head, because I am a child of the 80s and 90s, was Sister Act 2. And all I can see is like people doing backflips and cartwheels and colorful clothes and stuff and uh, singing Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Um, And I have to admit, at that time, I didn't even realize that it was a song about God. Because I didn't know him (laughs) when I watched it. So, uh, getting to dig into this hymn a little bit was really interesting and uh, a blessing for me. So, I hope that you take something away from it today um, in what I was able to uncover. Uh, A little glimpse into the last month of my life. Um, If I haven't seen you, it is because I just probably haven't been available (laughs) to see you in the last month. June, for me personally, was crazy. Uh, I experienced two weeks, just in the month of June, two weeks of VBX, where we had like a thousand kids uh, come here about how God loves them and learn how to pray and all the things. Two weeks of VBX. And then a wedding of a family member, and then an anniversary, like a milestone anniversary of a family member, um, like a 60th anniversary. And then the death and a funeral of a family member. And then a week of service in Jamaica with high schoolers. If you've ever been on a mission or a camp with a bunch of high schoolers, you know, you know right? It's like this. It's like we've got these mountaintop experiences and then just like crazy emotions. So it's up and down, right? So I've got this week of service um, in Jamaica with high schoolers. And then being home from mission to finding out that my mom had a significant injury and surgery, and we go on. That's June. Now, I know I'm not unique in this. Like, we all have highs and lows and peaks and valleys and big crashing waves and stillness. We've all got crazy seas to navigate. And they're full of ups and downs. So as we navigate these crazy seas and these peaks and these valleys, what does God have for us tonight? What does he have to say about this? Of course, yes, he says, in this world we will have trouble. And then he says, but take heart because I've overcome the world, God says. And it's because of that Because of his overcoming of the world, we get to carry his joy and his light with us, not only in the good times, but also in the bad. Not only on the mountaintops, but also in the valleys. And when we do that, we can point other people to him. So what does this hymn mean? Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. What does that have to do with pointing to Jesus or any hymn that we're singing uh, this this summer and during this series? What does that have to do with pointing us to Jesus? Well, um, I'm gonna quote Dietrich Dietrich Bonhoeffer quick here. And if you don't know who that is, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Christian, German, theologian. Um, He was a pastor during Nazi Germany. Um, he actively opposed the Nazis. He actively promoted unity in the Christian church. And he had this to say, sort along, so bear with me. It says, why do, Christians, when they, why do Christians sing when they get together? The reason is quite simply because in singing together, it is possible for them to speak and pray the same words at the same time. So in other words, because here they can unite in the word the more we sing the more joy we will derive from it but above all the more devotion and discipline and joy we put into our singing the richer we will be will be the blessings that will come to the whole life of the fellowship from singing together it is the voice of the church that is heard in singing together it is not you that sings it is the church so what's the point? What's Bonhoeffer saying here? He's saying it's important that we join our voices together. And in this hymn in particular, I picked this quote out for this hymn in particular because one of Bonhoeffer's themes in general is unity. And this hymn has a theme of unity. Its, got a, it's history is built in unity. So, the history of this hymn in particular, of Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee, it's a Christian hymn based on a poem called The Ode to Joy. It was written, The Ode to Joy, initially, was written by a German poet named Schiller in 1785, so it goes way back. And at that time, Germany was experiencing political and social changes, changes of all kinds, and The Ode to Joy was meant to be uniting and uplifting was written as an ode to the concept of joy and potential for humanity to embrace a sense of unity and brotherhood. So this poem, Ode to Joy, was later set to music around 1822 by Beethoven. Beethoven put it in the final movement of his Ninth Symphony. So when you hear it, even though it's a hymn and even if you've never been to a traditional service in your life, you will likely recognize it. even if you've never seen Sister Act II, you, you will likely recognize the tune. In 1907, an English translation was done by Henry Van Dyke and was adapted to include Christian themes. The original Ode to Joy was about unity and brotherhood, but it wasn't necessarily about unity and brotherhood in Christ. And that is where Henry Van Dyke took it. It was adapted to include these Christian themes. And now, uh, cut to 100 years later, it's considered a joyful and uplifting hymn. It expresses gratitude and adoration for God, for his blessings, and for the beauty of his creation. The lyrics reflect themes of praise and worship and unity of all people in the love of God. So joy, praise, worship, unity, and God's love. These are all highlighted in the hymn and they're all highlighted in our readings for today. Since those are the themes of the hymn, it must have been written in like good times, right? Like Henry Van Dyke must have taken this and been like, "Oh, we are so joyful in the Lord. I need to write this song of praise." Actually, no. It was written in the days leading up to World War I, and Henry Van Dyke was a writer, a professor, a minister, a military chaplain. He lived in Europe at the time. It probably wasn't written with a worldview of denial. Rather, this poem reflects romantic, poetic things, themes of its day infused with Christian understanding of ultimate hope, a hope that we can only have through Jesus Christ. So if we are the voice of the church, as Bonhoeffer says, what prayers and praises are we singing together when we sing this song? Well, let's read from our text for today for the answers. So in 1 John, and I'm gonna kinda skip around, sorry, tech team. Um, but I'm going to start in First John 4, which says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then skipping down to 7, it says, John came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Skipping down to 12. Yet all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So this parallels some themes that we see in verse one of Joyful, Joyful, which says, Joyful, Joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee praising thee our son up their son above melt the clouds of sin and sadness drive the gloom of doubt away giver of immortal gladness fill us with the light of day the prayer in this verse is that the lord would fill us with the light of day with his joy with his love with his light for his glory and that all of his creation would praise him. And then we read about and then we read about the unity that we should have in our reading from Romans, which is in chapter twelve. Start at verse ten. And says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Skipping down to 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. In paralleling verse 3 of Joyful Joyful and the unity of that, Thou our Father, Christ our brother, all who live in love are Thine. Teach us how to love each other. Lift us to the joy divine. So in Romans and in this hymn, we've got this command and this encouragement to live in unity and devotion to one another, to mourn with those who mourn and to rejoice with those who rejoice, to treat each other as better or higher than yourself. We have the ability as Christians and the opportunity as Christians to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn because of Jesus. We know there's darkness in this world. We know there's ups and downs. We know there's pain. We know there's grief. There's heartache. There's hardship. But we can have hope because we know the joy of Jesus. This joy exists in us no matter what is going on on the surface. Joy bubbles up and overflows from us because we have it as an undercurrent. Our hope and our joy are in Jesus and in his truth. And his truth stands regardless of our circumstances. So yes, we know there's darkness, but there's also light. Jesus is the light shining in the darkness. And he calls us to be the light of the world. So when we come together as light and joy, even in the midst of sorrow and pain and surround one another in community, our light points to and testifies to the one light that cannot be overcome by darkness, the light of Jesus, the true light who gives light to everyone. Jesus, who was there at the beginning, who put on flesh to live among us, full of grace and truth. Jesus, For for the joy that was set before him endured the cross to take on the sin and the sadness of the world and claim victory over sin and death and darkness so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Giver of immortal gladness is how Van Dyke put it in the hymn. And in the next verse, In that hymn, all of the Lord's works, and that includes us, are called to rejoice and to give praise for what he's done. Earth and heaven reflect him. Stars and angels sing around him. Field and forest, vale and mountain, flowery meadow, flashing sea, chanting bird, flowing fountain. We are all called to rejoice in Jesus. So what does rejoicing and giving God praise look like for you in your life? How can we shine our light bright enough to point to Jesus, the true light? And I think one way is this joy, this undercurrent of joy. We can demonstrate our joy in the Lord. And the Bible gives us examples of how. Worship. Psalm 101 and 2 says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. And just as a side note here, I know sometimes uh, here at the West Campus, all you can hear is your voice singing because it's like bouncing back at you off the walls and things like that. (laughs) Um, But as a side note, if you are praising and worshiping God, no matter what your voice sounds like, that is a joyful noise. There was a kid behind us last night in in a house um, as we were doing fireworks, and there was like squealing and crazy noises happening because she was so excited about the fireworks going off, you know? That is making a joyful noise. She was full of joy. And the squealing and stuff out of context might have just been really annoying, but it wasn't. It was these fireworks that were causing her joy, so... If you are praising and worshiping God, uh, no matter what your voice sounds like, it is a joyful noise to him. We've also got the joy of salvation. And we read in Isaiah 35, 10, it says, "The the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. With everlasting joy shall be on their heads and they shall obtain gladness and joy. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. So we've got the joy of salvation. We've also got praise as a way to demonstrate this joy. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, says Psalm 71, 23. Rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord, says Philippians 4, 4. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, says Psalm one eighteen twenty-four. 24. Prayer. We can come to him in prayer because in his presence is the fullness of joy, says Psalm sixteen eleven. Obedience. Jesus says if we keep his commandments and we We will abide in God's love and his joy will be in us. Trust, the joy of the Lord is your strength, Nehemiah 8.10. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you, says John 16. Sixteen twenty-two. We are told in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Jesus Christ for you. And then from our lesson today, we're told to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and to share with the Lord's people who are in need, and to practice hospitality. It's from Romans 12, 12 through 13. We have this undercurrent of joy in Jesus. In verse three, it says, he is giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed, wellspring of the joy of living, ocean depth of happy rest. What a great picture. I mentioned I was just in Jamaica, right? And Jamaica's an island, so there's ocean all around it. And as I was looking out at the ocean, I was pondering the waves and the surface and the depths of the ocean. And the surface and the waves, they respond to the environment, right? If there's wind, if there's a storm, the surface knows about it. There, if the wind comes up, the waves are higher. If it's calm, then they're calmer. But way down in the depths of the ocean, It doesn't matter what's going on on the surface. The waves could be choppy and crazy up there. There could be a crashing storm and all sorts of things going on, but there's still calm underneath. What if we were like that? What if we relied on the depth and this undercurrent of joy that we have in Jesus and it was a place of calm and assured rest and peace and even when storms rage and waves crash on the surface, joy is still underneath and it bubbles up. We would be like the light that Jesus calls us to be in the world. And that light would point people to him. Amen, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to be our undercurrent of joy. Lord, thank you. Thank you for being the light in the darkness. Thank you for claiming victory over sin and death in the grave so that we know that we can have this peace and this joy in your presence now and in eternity with you. Lord, help us to continue to draw upon that undercurrent of joy, no matter what's going on on the surface. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.